Well, let's all stand for a reading of the Word of God this morning. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 through 9. Galatians chapter 5, verse 7 through 9. It reads like this. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works to the whole batch of dough. I want you to go back to verse 7 for a moment. It says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Would you ask that question this morning to the person sitting right next to you? Just say, hey, who cut you off? <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Father, as we finish up this last part of our series, Entangled, I just pray that you would help us to learn, to grow. And as we share this moment together as a church, Father, bless this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. As we get into the last part of our series, Entangled, we're going to talk about entangled relationships. This is where we say, ooh, everyone. Come on, say it with me. Ooh, entangled relationships. How many of you, by a show of hands, have been in a bad relationship, are currently in a bad relationship, how many of you have been hurt because of a person in your life you should not have been with, should not have been friends with, should not even... How many of you wish you never even talked to that person? All right. We're going to talk tonight today about relationships and how to avoid getting entangled with the wrong people. I've been a pastor for 12 years. For 12 years, I've seen people walk passionately with Jesus. I've seen people come to church and they leave different. There's a new fire in them. They're passionate about the Lord. They're excited about the Word. They love to learn. They wanted to learn everything. They would just bombard me with all types of questions. They would just call my mom in the middle of the week, and what does this mean? And can you explain that? They wanted to serve, but not only serve. They wanted to serve in every ministry. They wanted to worship. They wanted to help clean. They were there in every event. They were just so passionate about God and the Word of God and prayer and I used to look at them with this joy, and i got to be honest with you, a little voice inside me would always just say this with every person I would see passionately serving Jesus. I hope it lasts. Because sadly, for 12 years as a pastor, I've seen these passionate people for the Lord go back to the world. I've seen these people that were once so close to God just go back to their old sin. And these people that were once in church every Sunday, you had to call and say, hey, I haven't seen you in a month. I haven't seen you in three months. It's been half a year. And there comes times that I tell these people, listen, I, I'm, I'm just going to stop calling. I've seen people just vanish from the church. 
And it saddens me. And this was the case in what we just read in Galatians. Paul was talking to a church in Galatia that had just recently converted to Christianity and they were once passionate about the Lord and they too were serving and wanting to learn everything about God and helping others and helping the sick and feeding the hungry and they were building the church, they were growing, they were just in love with the Lord and then Paul gets word that those same people are backslid. Those same people, they've lost that fire. They've lost that love for the Lord. Those same people are questioning their faith. They're not as involved anymore. They're not as passionate about the Lord anymore. And Paul writes this letter that we just read. And Paul asks this profound question in verse 7. Paul says, you were running a good race. Paul was acknowledging, saying, you were doing so good. You are doing so well. Can you imagine if I would write you a letter that way because you haven't been in church for years or months or weeks and you're back in the world and I send you a text or an email and I remind you and I say, hey, you are doing so good. You are in church every Sunday. You are in the ministry. You are serving. You are worshiping. You are passionate. You are doing so good. And then he asked this profound question. Who cut you off? I want you to notice that Paul doesn't say what cut you off. He doesn't say it's a thing. In other words, it wasn't just a particular sin or an object or something that caused them to be completely away from the Lord. Paul actually said who? He equated it with a person. He wants to know what person was it you got involved with that got you to stray away from the Lord? What, what person was it? Who's the reason why you're not serving Jesus the way you should? Who's the reason you're not going to church like you should? Who's the reason you're going back to the world? You see, Paul knew that the only way a person just strays away from God this much is because of a wrong relationship or a bad influence. The church got entangled with bad people. And Paul says, this does not come from God. In other words, Paul was saying, Satan is using people to hinder you. That word cut, who cut you off, that word cut in the Greek literally means to hinder. And folks, I'm going to tell you like it is this morning. People will hinder your walk with God. The wrong people will hinder your spiritual growth. The wrong person will hinder the plans of God for your life. The wrong people will hinder the blessings of God. And if you're not careful with the people you keep, and you just get entangled with the wrong relationships, I too will write you a letter one day saying, you were doing so good. Who was it? What's their name? Where'd you meet them? 
Because they're the reason your relationship with God is not where it needs to be. You can get easily entangled with the wrong people. Throughout the Bible, people, their relationship with God was hindered because of a who, not a what. David was Bathsheba. A relationship he knew he should not have even involved himself with. But he just kept checking her out on Instagram. He kept looking at her and got entangled in the wrong affair. Solomon was a godly man who got entangled with one wrong relationship, a girl from Egypt, and he got so entangled that one bad relationship led to a thousand. And God had to say, I'm going to strip the kingdom away from you. I thought about Samson. And he got entangled with ungodly women and one in particular named Delilah. And Delilah from the block, she was the hot one. And Samson said, I love her. I want her. And he found himself entangled, literally, roped up, chained up, blind, and in bondage. Or even Peter, he was off to a good start. He was following Jesus. And we all remind ourselves about the time Peter denied Jesus and walked away from Jesus for a moment, for a season. And you ask, what was it that caused Peter to just deny Jesus? It wasn't a what, it was a who. Peter surrounded himself with ungodly people in a little fire just to keep warm. And before you knew it, Peter was acting like them and talking like them and cursing like them so that he would convince them, I'm just like you. It was not a what for these people in the Bible. It was often a who. And can I tell you that all the people in my 12 years of pastoring that are no longer in the church serving the world and living away from God, oftentimes 90% of the time, even more I believe, has not been a what but a who. It's been an old friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a relationship, a co-worker, a family member, a cousin, a neighbor. And as a Christian, we have to be careful with what we do, but we also have to be careful with who we do it with. Relationships are powerful. Relationships are not wrong. God created relationship. You know, relationship was God's idea. God looks at Adam and says, it's not good for you to be alone, so I'm going to make someone suitable for you. God created the concept of relationships. God created marriage. God created family. God created friendship. God created the church. All are forms of relationships that are blessings and valued if we do it God's way. 
And can I tell you that if God created relationships, anything that's been created by God has been good and designed to bless you, to bring you joy, and to better you. But with the fall of man came sin. So now man, we have a nature in us put by God that's for relationship. We have a relational nature. We were never created to be alone. If you're one of those people that say, oh, I'm fine by myself, you're clearly calling God a liar because He said it's not good for you to be alone. This does not mean singleness is bad or something wrong with you. Why aren't you married? God was not talking about marriage. He was talking about simple relationships, whether marriage, family, friendships, whatever. It's not good for you to be isolated. And anything that God has created was designed to bless you. So we have a relational nature. But because of the fall of man, we now have a sinful nature. And the Bible describes the sinful nature in some aspects like rage, jealousy, selfishness, hatred. So now we have a relational nature with a sinful one. So we want naturally to have a relationship. We get into this relationship, but we get into it with a sinful nature. And because you have things like jealousy and rage and selfishness and greed and hatred and discord, well, obviously, we know that some relationships are not going to be good for you. Some relationships are actually to be avoided 100%. We have broken marriages because of wrong relationships. We have dysfunctional families. We have toxic friendships. We have divided churches because we have a relational nature that's mixed with a sinful nature. So we have to be just as careful now because God is not saying relationships are wrong. He's saying that there are some relationships that you need to stay away from. Relationships can be a blessing. Relationships can be a curse. Relationships can build you up spiritually. Relationships can tear you down spiritually. The right people get you closer to God. The wrong people pull you further from Him. And in a lifetime, we will meet up to 10 to 15,000 people in our lifetime. Think about that. 10 to 15,000 people we will confront and meet in our lifetime. And in all of all these 10 to 15,000 people, you just filter through through your lifetime. Some of them, you will just be seasonal, just a few weeks, a month, and you don't hear from them anymore. Some of them you have friendships with. Some of them will be friends for a while, then they'll be gone. Some of them will be friends for life. Some of them you will date. Some of them you will marry. Some of them you will divorce. Some of them will break your heart. Some of them will betray you. Some of them will wreak havoc on your peace. You see, 10 to 15,000 people that we meet in a lifetime, that means we better pay attention to this message. Because those are 10 to 15,000 ways 
that the devil can sidetrack you and bring you down. In fact, Paul says in verse 9 of our opening verse, he actually warns us. And he says, a little yeast works to the whole batch of dough. See, whenever you're making bread, the yeast is what causes it to rise and grow. And what's so surprising is that yeast is so small. Just a pinch on that dough. And before you know it, it has a profound impact and influence and it begins to grow. Just a little. What God is saying here through Paul is that small things can have a big impact in your life. And some of those small things that can have a huge impact in your life are relationships. Relationships can start off like yeast. Just a little. I'm just going to send them a little text. You ever done that one? Texting your exes, bad idea. Just a little, hi. Just a little, how are you? I'm, I'm just going to swipe a little for my online daters. Just, you read the profile, the God, God's like, no! Just a little. I just want to see. It's just a little coffee. Just a little coffee. It's just a little lunch. It's just a little time. It starts off small. Little conversation. And like yeast, it can quickly grow and entangle you. It was just a little. We need to learn how to identify potential wrong relationships, not just for ourselves, but if you're raising children, you better watch out for them. We have to learn how to identify these wrong relationships to avoid us being entangled with unnecessary sin, unnecessary drama, problems, and heartaches that God wants to spare you from. And I believe that serving Jesus means that you're going to have to learn sometimes to get along with yourself and be alone because it's better to be alone serving God than in the company of incorrupt, just corrupt people messing you up. Amen. Learn to be lonely because it's hard to find a good relationship. I thought about this because this week, this just, just Friday, I was transferring some tackle from my fishing box to another box that my wife had bought me. See, I made a mistake. See, my old tackle box, this was it. And anyone that has fished with me, whether it be my brother or my father-in-law, knows this was a hot mess. Because, you know, um, tackle boxes, they have compartments. They have little slots that divide the hooks and the fishing line and everything else. But see, your pastor thought, you know what? Why go through all the trouble? Let me just get a box and put it all in there. 
And when I open my, you know, it's been a while since I checked the box. And when I checked the box this Friday, this is exactly how it was. It was all tangled. And I, I tried to save some of them. I tried to untangle it, but some of the hooks kept hurting me and I was frustrated. And this is what I was dealing with. You know why I was dealing with this? Because I failed to check the box and I failed to keep things separated. Can I tell you that God says, I want you to avoid this in your life. I want you to avoid getting hurt getting used, betrayed. I, I want you to avoid a broken heart. I want you to avoid a mess. So it's important that you learn to separate. It's, it's important that you learn how to have compartments with people and this is just an acquaintance and this is a friend and this is potentially someone I can marry and you have to learn that you don't have to be with everyone you meet. And because I failed to check the box and I put them just all together with time, it all got tangled up. So I want to help you this morning. Because I see like that box so many people entangled with the wrong people. And if we're not careful, we can get so entangled, you're going to easily have a mess in your life. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get frustrated. And the worst thing of all that Friday night, I tried and tried and tried to separate and mend it, but I was wasting my time. Maybe you're wasting your time with people that don't belong in your life. Maybe you're wasting the precious time that God gave you on this earth to do His will and to bless you on people that God says, I never asked you to be with them. So we're going to have fun today. Because we're all going to check our box for relationships. We're going to check three boxes, just three. Your pastor did all the work to make it easy for you. To check the box. To avoid getting entangled with the wrong people. How many of you need this message this morning? Come on. For box number one that you need to check. Character. Come on, say that with me. Character. What does that mean? Character is not just who you are. It's not just your personalities. Because I believe people with opposite personalities can get along just fine. If you don't believe that, look at me and my wife. Opposite. I came home yesterday, she was all excited about what she organized. I didn't get it. This morning she said, hey, did you notice this? How clean organized? And I was like, I don't get it. We're opposite. We work. My mom and dad, opposite. We work. 
Isla and Ivan, meet them, talk to them. What? Opposite. How many years now? 42 years! It's not about personality. People tell you, I just want someone like me. Have you met yourself? Why on earth would you want someone like you? Are you that special? Amazing? Oh, but we have the same personalities. That's a bomb waiting to explode, buddy. It's not about character. It's not about personality. Character, no, we like the same things. No, stop it. Stop it. Character is not who you are only or personality. Character is your morals. It's morality. It's morals that you find in Jesus Christ. Honesty. Godliness. Kindness. Look at that person's character. Because your character is how you think. How does that person think? Your character affects how you speak. How does that person talk? If that person, everything that comes out of a mouth has to be bleeped out, why are you with them? If everything that comes out of that person's mouth is gossip, you don't think you're going to fall into gossip too? How do they think? How do they speak? What's their attitude like? Are they angry? Hot-tempered, hot-headed? Are they selfish? Self-centered? Are they arrogant, prideful? Would you look, stop looking at the abs, that goes away. Stop looking at the personality. Stop looking at the money. Stop looking at all of that. And just check the attitude. How do they act around people? How do they treat the server in the restaurant? How do they treat their parents? What's their character like? Because the first box you have to check is the character of a person, their morals. And does that person, do their morals line up with God's? And if you say, I, I think so, the answer is no. Because character is something you know, you just don't think so. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15.33 tells us this. It says that, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good what? Character. Do you know why so many people fall into being victims and entangled with wrong relationships? It's because of this verse. It says, don't be misled. What, what is it that misleads us? into getting into the wrong relationship. Here's what happens. And I see it all the time. God says, bad company corrupts good character. God did not say, good character influences bad character. No, it's a one-way street, church. So let me explain why we get into wrong relationships. Because you are so holy... You're so Christian. You have such a good... 
You have such a good heart that you, out of those 10,000 people you meet in your lifetime, you meet one corrupt, ungodly, you know they ain't saved person. And you who knows better, pure, clean, been saved, born again through the grace of God, not by anything else, meets this person. It's obvious. It's obvious. They're not like you. The signs are there. But you know how you get misled? I can fix them. You want to know why women end up with dirt bags? Because they think they can fix them. Ladies, am I right? You want to play the role of God and the Holy Spirit and you think you can change them. And if I can, I know Pastor David will. So then you convince yourself. So you flirt and convert. That's the plan. I'm going to flirt, convert, marry them. And you ask any person that's married to a non-believer, I'm not saying leave them, get divorced. No, you are married, buddy. You're stuck. But let them tell you about the heartaches they suffer. Pastor, I can bring them to church. So this is how it works. God says it doesn't work like that. You see, this water is clean and I can pour it all I want into this jar. Does it make a difference? Does it change? Does it do anything? So stop thinking that you're going to have some type of influence on this ungodly, not safe person in your life. God says, no, stay away from them. Why? Because good company cannot influence bad, but bad can influence good. And this is why so many people they meet someone that's ungodly. They meet someone in the world. And all of a sudden, by no surprise to me, I don't see them in church anymore. And when I do, they're not as passionate and serving as much. Their attitude has changed. They start acting different, living different, talking different, viewing things different, thinking differently, acting differently. I wonder why. And I trace it. And guess what? Not a what, guess who? Coworker. Friend, neighbor, primo. No, you have cousins and you have primo. Cousins are fine. Primo, stay away from. The trouble one. The one that calls you and says, Oh, yeah, primo! Primo! Be like, uh oh, what they want. Stay away from them. Bad company corrupts. And we're not dumb. We see the bad company. God will give you little hints. And don't you convince yourself, but I can show them Jesus. No, because they can show you the devil. Proverbs 22 through 24 and 25 says this, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. You know, that's a character. God says, hey, you have a desire for friendships, that's okay, but avoid someone with a bad attitude, 
a hot-tempered person, a bad character. Do not associate with one who's easily angered. Why? Well, verse 25 tells us why. Or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared, tangled, trapped. You will learn his way. Not he will learn your way. That word way is a Hebrew word that simply means path. And God says, avoid such a person with bad character because you may learn and start walking in their path. You ever notice that you hang out with someone that curses a lot, you start slipping bad words? Don't act like, what, me now? You ever notice you hang out with someone long enough, you pick up their attitude, their way of doing things, their way of speaking? Why is that? Because our sinful nature is drawn to sin. The first thing you have to check is character. You're not judging a person. You're not condemning a person. You're just staying away from them. But what if they need Jesus? You invite them to church. Invite cards. Out in the lobby. Grab them. Hey, come to my church. But we get so involved and we play this evangelism card. Don't we? Am I preaching? We play the... I, I just think if, if I'm with them, I can just present the gospel. And I find you later on completely in the world. One. Character. Two. Principle. Principle is a rule or a belief that governs the way you live. As Christians, we have godly principles. We live under a certain rule, and God is the one that governs us. And because we live under that rule, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, there's a certain way we live our lives, correct? That is godly principle. Because we're under the authority of God, our principles are things like we honor God first. We live to obey Him the best to our ability. We rely on the Holy Spirit. We serve God. We aim to do His will. That's the principles we live by. But see, if you're entangled with the wrong person, you can miss and get distracted away from the principles of God. You have to look not only at character, you have to look at a person's principle. Who rules this person's life? Who rules their behavior? Why do they do what they do? What are they under? Is their rule themselves? Are they ruled by money? Are they ruled by pleasure? Are they ruled by the world? Then why would you get with someone that you are under the rulership of God and this person is under the rulership of the world? The wrong relationships 
will get you off track from the principles of God. Here's the proof. I don't just say it. It's in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 6.14 Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Here's a question. What is righteousness? That word righteousness are those that are in right standings with God through Jesus Christ. If you are a born-again Christian, that's you. And God has this profound question. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Nothing. But we have so much in common. We love to go out. We like to go biking. We like to go hiking. We like to go fishing. We like shopping. That's not what you look for when you talk about commonality. You have to see the person's principle. Do they have in common with me my godly principles? What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship? Fellowship! A little gathering can light have with darkness. A yoke was a wooden bar that joined two ox together, two oxen together. And oxen, they lived under a certain principle. When that yoke was put on them, they instantly were trained to go straight. That's it. Go straight. And they would plow the field. The minute an ox from a young little oxen, they were trained to get this wood on their necks. And the minute they felt that wood, something in them said, straight, gotta go straight. And that ox, boy, they went straight. That was their principle. But if you got an ox with that same principle, mindset, and you put a donkey under that yoke. That donkey lived under a certain set of his own rules. His own principle. Donkeys are stubborn creatures. They don't like to be told what to do. They create their own path. So if you would put an ox and a donkey together, guess what would happen? That ox could... Say, I'm going to go straight. I got to go straight. I got, that's what I do. I go straight. But if you're with the wrong donkey, it's going to be a burden on that ox. They're quickly going to veer off. Make a mess of the whole field. That ox is not going to be able to do what it was created to do. And as God's children, we were created to serve Him. But if you get together with the wrong person, you're not going to be able to do what you have been called to do. You will not be able to live under godly principles because you are with someone that has none. So they begin to pull you away or weigh you down. And then you make a mess of your life. Because they are opposite to your principle. You have to be careful. Because you are called to have godly principles. You're looking for godly character. Godly principles. 
Number three, let's check another box. Integrity. That word integrity is found a lot in the Bible. It simply means to be undivided. It means what I say is what I do. What I say is how I live. And I've been telling you right now about ungodly people and immoral people, and you might say, well, Pastor, I know that's obvious. But here's how the devil really gets to church. 1 Corinthians 5.11. It says, but now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, a Christian, but is sexually immoral, greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat with. We have to be careful not just to get into a relationship with anyone just because they tell you they're a Christian. 85% of Americans proclaim to be Christian. Does it look like 85% of America is serving Christ? And as a pastor, i got to tell you, I've seen people come to me and say, Pastor, I want you to meet them. I think they're the one. They, they, they're, oh yeah, they're Christian. They're Christian. Why? They said so. No, they believe. Yeah, they believe. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they go to this church. Yeah? You know the devil believes in God? I guarantee the devil goes to church. He goes to this one. I have a pastor, they're like a little angel. So is the devil. Disguises himself as light. Are you telling me you match with the devil? You can't just get into a relationship because a person says they believe in God. You can't just become friends with someone because they go to a church. The Bible says don't even associate with someone that you see they say they're Christians, they say they serve God, they say to go to church, but when you look at their life on the weekday, on the weekend, when you look at their Instagram, their Facebook, their social media, and they're living wrong, they're living in the world, they're acting like the world, they're sinning and they don't care, stay away from that person. Because they'll corrupt you. God says, don't, don't even eat with them. In the Bible, eating with someone was more than just, I'm hungry, let's eat. No, in the Bible, when you ate with someone, it meant you had a bond. It meant you trusted them. You cared for them. That's why so many people got mad at Jesus when he was eating with tax collectors and prostitutes and, and all these sinful people because it meant that they, were, they had a bond. And people often play this, this game with God and they play devil's advocate and they say, well, Jesus ate with sinners. Why can't I? There are two questions people ask me. 
to play this relationship entangled game. Three, Jesus ate with sinners. He did. He did. But God just finished saying, with such a person, don't even eat. But pastor, what, what, what is it? Can I ask you a question? When Jesus ate with sinners, was he, was he just there and kicking back, relaxing, having fun, telling jokes, laughing, having a few beers there and here and there? What, was that Jesus? You know when Jesus ate with those sinners, what he was doing? Teaching. Presenting to them the gospel. After lunch was over, every person on that table got saved. And out of that little lunch date came Matthew, who converted and gave his life to Jesus. Now I want to ask you, if you're going out to lunch with non-believers, it better be because you're doing the same thing. I've had coffee with non-believers. You know why? Because they call me to ask me questions about God about the Bible. You think I'm going to say, oh no, I'm not going to go there. No, no, no. I say, Lord, help me and guide me to reach this person during this hour of coffee. So God may put you in a predicament where you're with a non-believer for the purpose of presenting the gospel, not to... <laughs> she said, what, girl? Oh no, she didn't. Oh, I met this guy. Oh my God. You know the difference, amen? But we turn to little evangelists with devil horns. I, I'm just going to... But pastor, they need to know the Lord. So is that why you're clubbing with them? Is that why you're on the beach on a Sunday? Is that why there's a bottle in your hands? Are you like a little evangelist now with... We don't really have that motive. But it's just a little. So is the yeast that God says have a profound impact. The second thing people tell me, well, Pastor, aren't we supposed to be light and darkness? Yeah, the Bible says that. So we justify that by saying, I'm going to go into a dark place in the world because God has called me to be light. So I'm going to get into a relationship with these ungodly people, these ungodly friends. I'm going to date this ungodly person because they need the light. That's not what God meant when He says light is in darkness. You know why God called us to be light in darkness? Because we live in a dark, sinful world. And ironically, there are certain ungodly people in your life you can't stay away from. They're your family members. Your co-workers. Well, pastor, I don't know what to do. That's my mom. That's my dad. That, that, that's my brother. Those are my siblings. I, yeah, you can't get away from them. 
But you know what you do when you're around them? Does light conform to darkness? No. Light outshines in the midst of darkness. It stands for what it is. It does not get compromised. It does not get manipulated. It is not overcome by darkness. So you are a Christian who is put in an ungodly environment. See, I have the blessing of 90% of the time working with Christians. It's my job. You don't. And I get that. But see, when you go to work tomorrow and those guys are telling dirty jokes, you better stand like light and be different and not go along with it. And when your family's acting wrong and they're getting wasted and you know it's headed down the wrong direction, you stand up for yourself and you might have to leave. But you stand and don't get entangled. That's why you're saying, well, pastor, what do I do if I, if I can't stay away from these people? What if they're family? What if I'm married to them? What if they're co-workers? I want you to always remember Tackle Box. Tackle Box have divisions. They're separated. They have boundaries. So that, that those hooks don't get entangled. And if you want to avoid this in your life, you better learn to stand up for Jesus, have some boundaries, and check all three boxes. What do you do if I'm around people that aren't saved? You do what Daniel did in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. And we'll close with this. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Let me explain to you what's going on here. Daniel was taken along with the nation of Israel as slaves. And they were going to a country called Babylon. And Babylon was one of the most ungodly pagan places you can ever imagine. We're talking pagan gods, shrines. We're talking idolatry, burning kids alive, immorality. It was horrendous. Daniel knew he was going to Babylon. It's like you saying, okay, I'm going to work tomorrow. Okay, it's Christmas. I'm going to Nochebuena tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to this birthday party. I'm going to this family function. I'm going. Daniel knew there are certain places you cannot avoid that are ungodly. But see, Daniel, the Bible says he resolved. That word resolve means to literally make up his mind, to pre-decide. Learn that word. It will save your life. Pre-decide before it happens. He said, when I'm there, he pre-decided, I am not going to eat the ungodly food. I am not going to do the ungodly things. He pre-decided that no matter who he was with, where he was at, he was a child of God and he took the stand to be light in darkness. 
He did not care if he was beheaded. He did not care if he was thrown in prison. He did not care who would laugh at him. He did not care who would reject him because he knew his principle, his character, and his integrity stood with God. So he was not allowed, he was not about to allow himself to be entangled with all the ungodly people. But he took a stand. And God honored him. Maybe this is what your life looks like now. Because a while back ago, you did not check the three boxes. You did not care about character. You saw the bad character, you excused it with, I can change them. You did not see the principle because in your mind you thought you were the strongest ox ever. No one was going to pull you away from the Lord. But you know you're not serving God the way you should because you got yoked together with the wrong crowd. And you say, well, pastor, I, I need them in my life. Without them, I'm broke. Without them, I have no friends. Without them, are you telling me right now that God can't take care of you? That God can't bring you the right... See, some of you are missing out at the right relationships because you're entangled with the wrong ones. You got to check the box of character. You got to check the box of principle. You have to check the box of integrity. No matter what they say, how godly they tell you they are, how they believe and go to church, you need to look at their life. And if what they say is not how they live, you need to not even associate with them. And like Daniel, you have to pre decide. If you're entering an environment where there are ungodly people, to make boundaries on what you talk about, how you act, what you say, what you do. And you better make sure that while you're in that darkness, there is a light coming out of you that stands out above everyone. Going back to verse 7. You were running a good race. You were doing so good. Who cut you off? I want you to think about this question right now. Who cut you off? Who are the people in your life that keep you from serving God the way you should? Who are the people in your life that have it, that push you in a way to compromise your convictions? Who is it that cuts you off? If you're serious about getting back with the Lord, getting back under character, principle, and integrity, you identify who cut you off and then cut them off. Oh, that's hard. But you might have to delete a few numbers. You might have to break up with a few people. You might have to cancel a few plans. You might have to learn to be alone for a while. 
But in the end, you stay true to character, principle, and integrity. And if there's anyone that was running a good race and somehow they fell off and got cut off and aren't serving God anymore, there's always a who behind it. And they say, oh man, it's my neighbors, it's my friends, my co-workers, my ungodly family members. It's my girlfriend, my boyfriend, this relationship, this person I'm getting to know. Start making boundaries and stand for your convictions. And with that, we close our series in 10 quotes. And this is a hard one because maybe some of your ungodly friends or family members are saying, hey, are you out of church yet? We, we, let's go, there's a barbecue, there's this, there's that. And you say, well, pastor, I have to go. That's, those are my, my children, those are my family. Yeah, I get that. Will you be light? Will you be like Jesus and say, this is a purpose? There's a purpose for me being here. But some of you are doing things and are with with people. You're with people that you know you shouldn't even be around. It's not that you can't avoid them. No, it's that you won't avoid them. And it's no wonder right now you're creating a mess in your life and you are hindering the work of God. And I pray like Daniel, you pre-decide to say that is it. I will stand for character. I will stand for my principle. I will stand for integrity. I will stand for character and my morals. I will stand for principle. I will stand for integrity. And anyone else that gets in my way of that, before they will cut me off, I will cut them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Because I know, Lord, the silence is conviction. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, this was a tough one. Because I tell myself I can change them. I tell myself I'm the light in the darkness, so why not go into a little darkness? But pastor, I am guilty of Galatians 5, 7. I was running a good race. I was impassioned with God. But I don't know where that person went. And I'm doing things I shouldn't do. I'm speaking in ways I thought I'd never speak. I'm doing things I thought I was set free from again. And Lord, you have shown me today, it's not a what, it's a who in my life. And they are the reason I've been cut off. But you can get back on this race, church. You can get back to serving God passionately again. But it might mean you have to end some friendships. It might mean that you have to stand up and be more light. But it does mean you have to stand for character, principle, and integrity.
and start drawing the boundaries. It all matters how serious you are about serving God. That's why when Jesus called the disciples, they said, leave. So Father, I pray for every person here this morning who's entangled with bad people, bad relationship they're afraid of ending. I pray for those people that are surrounded with people they can't get away from. They work with them. They're related to them. Father, give us the wisdom to know who we need to cut off and where we need to stand up more and pre-decide and be light. Church, if this is you this morning, and you're saying, God, this morning I'm pre-deciding I'm going to stand up in the darkness, would you put that hand up? whether it's at work, with your family, God bless you. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I need to cut them out of my life. It won't be easy. I'm going to need help. The Lord is your strength. If that's you this morning, would you put that hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. God bless you. Let's all stand to our feet. I want you to spend a moment there with the Lord. As we ask this question one more time, who cut you off? Think about the who. And say, Lord, that's it. I'm going back to work tomorrow, and I will be light. Lord, I'm, after this service is over, I'm ending it. This message applies differently for every person here today. But there is one way this message applies to us all. We need to stand for character, principle, and integrity. Let's pray, Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you for the power of relationships. We thank you for the relationships we have, even in our church, Lord, as we stand together as a family. Father, we know that some relationships are hindering our walk with you. And Father, as we confront 10 to 15,000 people in our lifetime, we know that some of these people we need to stay away from. Some of these people we can't stay away from. Some of these people we should never have even spoken to. So I pray that you give us the strength to cut them off before they cut us off. I pray for every person who needs this message, but they're not even here because they're no longer running this race anymore and they're out in the world right now. Father, I believe that you can bring them back. So Father, would you entangle them in such a way and create such a mess in their life they recognize the corruption of their character, the corruption of their principle, the corruption of their integrity and cause them to run back to the altar and to praise you again one more time to renew their steadfast spirit within them. But give us the strength here today for those who are here to be light in darkness and to cut those that need to be cut so that we can stand and walk straight with character, principle, and integrity. Help us to pre-decide to serve you no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen.
And amen. Come on, give God some praise. I know that was a tough one. You guys can have a seat for a moment. That concludes our series of Entangled. I know this was a hard series for us to listen to, especially this message. That's why I believe God saved the best for last. So as you leave this church this morning, go with a new profound perspective saying, where do I need to be light? And where do I need to cut?